1: Welcome back to part two of Rhythm of Life, and I am interviewing Melvin O'Doom. If you've missed part one, that's okay, go back, but make sure that you listen to part one before we get to part two. Now, Melvin, I have just found out something about you, by the way. I found out that you used to teach dancing to kids with behavioral problems.
2: Yes. So at Tower Hamlets College, mm. I used to work for like a program called Connections. and if there were any young people that were having difficulty at school then they would come to me and at the time I was going to like street dance lessons and so um I got a job as a street dance and drama teacher and so we had like loads of young people and
1: wait 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 stop there's so much you said in there so you (laughs) used to do hip-hop dance classes and then you started teaching kids why but
2: I I wasn't I wasn't good at it but these these young people they wanted you know they wanted to be stimulated and yeah. being in a classroom and learning about maybe maths or english wasn't their thing and some of them had an interest in the arts or drama and so they'd just come to me maybe twice a week and then i just created a lesson for them i wasn't amazing mm-hmm. but it was enough to stimulate these young people and um give them confidence and kind of um, give them the opportunity to to return back to school, so some some of them were like suspended from their schools or um, they had to be um, kind of like asked like put in detention it 's almost like a detention, yeah. but I just wanted to make sure they were stimulated and they were doing something they enjoyed and felt like they were learning something so i I did like a level drama and I actually went back to my drama teacher, um, Mrs. Christopher, and she gave me like this really cool book on, on like, different kind of, like, drama techniques and stuff like that. So I'd go mm-hmm. and, and teach some of the young people. Some of them got involved, some of them hated it, but oh, yes, I just okay. tried my best. Um, and then I used to do, like, a summer school at a place called the Froud Centre, um, where it was, like, a, like an after-school club, basically. It's had
1: to know that. Do you have a passion for just charity or helping?
2: Mm. I've always had time for young people because mm. I you know what, when we left uni, I found it really hard because I I was so, I was so kind of like upset that I had all this talent and motivation and no one wanted to see it. No one cared. I was like, no one cares. And so whenever I, I worked with young people and I was, you know, and every young person has a talent. Everyone. Whoever, if if you spend enough time with someone, you will find something really interesting about that person. And so, i just love the idea of kind of like nurturing someone's talent and yeah. um giving them the space to explore what they love doing yeah. like like i've got a young cousin this oh, his name's jermaine this boy is so clever he could do whatever he wanted to do and um one day he was like he, he finished uni and he did like he studied like media production and he was like yeah melvin i love cars so i want to clean cars i was like cool So I gave him, I gave him my car to clean. I gave him a list of my friends. I called my boy Eddie's. I called my boys from uni. I said, anyone wants their car cleaned? You go to this guy. Now he does like detailing. Now he gets like the best sports cars coming to him and he works like for a garage. He's the guy you go to if you want your car cleaned pristinely so it went from him just like I was I you know I like cars to I like cleaning the old car here and there to him doing like expert detailing so with me if you come to me with anything rather than me going no but you should do this I will nurture that I don't care what you want to do as long as you're not hurting anyone I will nurture that so that you could do the best of that thing you're doing
1: and I, I also didn't know that you worked with the princess trust charity as well
2: yeah. So yeah, we were ambassadors for like, uh, about 10 years. So we got to host some really cool like panels. And we worked with loads of young people who um, were getting kind of almost like sponsored by the mm. Prince's Trust. We There were award ceremonies and stuff. And the Prince's Trust do some really great things. Like yeah. some of the stories that you hear about are are pretty insane. So yeah, to be a part of that was huge. And we got to meet Prince Charles, which was really cool. And he was funny and hilarious.
1: Really? No. How was that? How was that experience? What do, you, <laughs> what do you wear? What do you wear to meet Prince Charles?
2: Well, we met him twice. I think the first time was like a premiere or something, like a royal nice. premiere. And so, like, obviously, you're suited and booted. But then he came to he came to Kiss when we worked at Kiss, and oh, he yeah. came he came in, and I don't know if he was lying or not, but he was like, "Yeah, I was listening to you guys this morning on the way in." <laughs> <laughs> we were like. We were like, really? And he was, I can't remember who he said. He was like, can you play me some pitbull or something? Like oh, he just, he started like requesting tunes, but he's proper funny. Like really, like he's always busted joke and you just, you know, he seems like a charming man and yes. you get, you know, you get why, you know, he does what he does. Um And yeah, I've met actually a few roles. Um, name
1: them, name
2: them. Who have you met? So I've met. Will and Harry, before because I did like another charity, um, it was like for a mental health charity event yeah. that they were they kind of organized themselves, so it was like a, an amalgamation of all the biggest mental health charities in the country. Wow, and I was asked to DJ for, for this event. And so I think I met Kate Middleton,
1: Catherine, they Catherine. Catherine.
2: Sorry, sorry, you know, up to <laughs> me, she's Kate, she's just Kate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> so she came over, and oh, you have to like you can't put your hand out, like you have to let them put their hand out and, you know, they shake they shake your hand and you have to call, you know, her your royal highness, whatever and all that stuff and all the pre- pleasantries. Yeah. So she came over and then they were like, you're probably not going to meet Harry and Will today. Um, and then I played some music that you have to make sure there's no swearing in any yes. of the music that you're playing and all this stuff, right? So anyway, I started packing up and I'm putting my headphones in my bag. And I hear from, um, like, over the decks, um, have you got any Bruno Mars, please? And I'm like, who is this dude? <laughs> and I look it. up, and it's Harry. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry's like, I was like, oh, bro, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't even say bro. I was like, sorry, <laughs> sir. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just packing up. He's like, I'm, j- I'm only joking. He's like, great work. And then he just disappeared. And Harry seems... Proper fun. Like, he oh seems like a way. fun guy. Yeah, yeah I like So
1: him. you have Prince Charles asking for Pitbull. Then you have Harry asking for Bruno Mars. Now <laughs> yeah. we need to find William. We need to find <laughs> yeah, William, yeah. what he yeah. is going to request.
2: I don't know what his tune is, but there was this rumour when we used to host Wireless Festival. I remember there was a year when Dizzy Rascal was the headliner. And that that, that year there were so many celebs backstage. There was like Adele came to watch um, and just everyone, there was everyone just watching Dizzy. Like Dizzy is insane to watch on stage. He's like next level. His energy levels are through the roof, right? And um, there was someone in an animal suit and the rumor is, It was Prince Harry in disguise, so no one came to him and he wouldn't need security. So apparently he was in an animal suit watching Dizzy Rascal. I don't know if that's true or not.
1: I mean, you know that's not true. Deep down, you know that he would have been in some box somewhere.
2: I think it could be true, you know.
1: (laughs) Okay, next level, next level. Who is the one person that you've been kind of starstruck by meeting?
2: Starstruck is Denzel Washington. And Sylvester Stallone, because hey. um, Denzel is like, you know, you know, you're meeting someone big when your mum cares about them. And, <laughs>
1: no, when and, your mum cares about yeah, them.
2: <laughs> my mum, and and I care about them. And he has such a presence because yes. he commands respect. When you when he talks, you you listen. It's he feels like that strict uncle nice. that you just wouldn't mess around with, and. He's such a wise person that I just remember thinking, I want to get this right. I don't, yeah. want, to, I don't want to let Uncle Denzel down right now. Um, but the person who I think had the biggest effect on me was Will Smith. Yeah, he was very inspiring, and he goes out of his way to give you the best interview. And he, I just remember him, like little things, like he remembered your name. Wow. It sounds like a small thing, but like I remember we, we didn't interview him in the day. And then I went to a premiere, and as he was leaving, he introduced the film, and as he was leaving, he came up and shook my hand before he wow. left the, the cinema. And it's little things like, he makes you feel really special. Yeah. Um, and I, I've said to myself, if I ever get to a position where I have fans, I want to make them feel special. So if, if someone comes and asks me for a picture, or they ask for an autograph or whatever, and I've got the time to do it, I always do it, because it, I remember how nice that made me feel. Cause I'm a fan of Will Smith. So yeah, if anyone asks me for anything, even if they're like, Melvin, can you do a quick video for my mate? It's their birthday. If I've got the time to do it, I'll do it. Cause I, I remember how special it feels.
1: Yeah. No, out. you've got loads of fans. I don't know what you mean. We've been out before. You, you, people are queuing out for a photo with you. I had to leave you. I'm like, I'm done. Marvin. I'm not doing this with you. For me growing up, um, mm-hmm. Denzel and Will Smith were kind of like the only black people that I could see who were on an international... I grew up in South Africa, so I saw a lot of black people already. And you know, Halloween, you dress up as the French prince of ballet or you dress up as some character uh, that Denzel Washington did. Did you ever feel like they were that for you because the representation wasn't there as much as it should be?
2: Yeah, um... It's funny because I think the thing I loved about The Fresh Prince was it, was, it wasn't it was like Boys in the Hood, in no. the ghetto, guys no. shooting each other up. It was this rich family with like, there's a J. Cole song and, and he kind of refers to like Uncle Phil mm. as like everyone's dad. Yes. And it's true, like Uncle Phil was like everyone's positive dad. Do you mean whether you did or didn't have a dad? And it, I think it was really important to have... I know it was a comedy, but there were some really serious role models in that in that yeah. TV show. Um, and there were, you know, there was various people that... There was another show, you probably didn't see it in South Africa, called Desmond's, which was, no. it was set in a barbershop. And again, all the characters were really, really positive. And I remember watching Desmond's as a kid and thinking, this is really cool, like, seeing faces that look, look like me on the screen. And it, that representation is... Is so important because you know I I grew up in London and I think I've been really lucky being in London because I actually think that London is the most diverse place in the world. Yes. I don't think there's anywhere in the world more diverse, and you know I've been lucky enough to travel everywhere. Um, but I think when you look at the the wider spectrum, and when I was young, you know you you would you would struggle. I think things are a bit different now. You know you can turn on the TV and you know I, well, I'm so proud when I turn on like ITV and switch on Loose Women and I see, you know, a full black female <laughs> cast yeah. or I switch on the radio and and I can hear Clara Amfo doing the Live Lounge. It's, you know, these things are important and I think some people kind of take for granted because it's not something they've had to think about. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But if if there's someone that isn't like you in the place that you want to be, it can be a lonely place. And that's and going back to that work experience thing. Another thing about working in that office in the city was I was the only black guy in the office. Right. And that's another reason why I was like, I don't feel comfortable here. Do you mean? Yeah, because you why, 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 am I the, why am I the only person here? Do you yeah. mean you asked yourself those questions? So yeah, representation is really, really important. And, but at the same time, I think it's about getting the best people for the job. I think a lot of people think, just throw in a black person because they're not there. Yes. It's not about that. I, I, I'm not a fan of tokenness. I, yes. I'm not about that life.
1: N- no one is...
2: But get the best people for the job and give everyone, black, white, Asian, female, disabled, whatever. Whoever's the right person for the job, get them to do it.
1: Yeah. Did you ever feel growing up that because you didn't get to see a lot of people that look like us, not a lot, that maybe it wasn't a place where you belonged or had space?
2: Um, I never felt like I didn't belong there because that's where I always felt wanted to be always wanted to be. And I always, I loved the idea OT of making people smile. That's my favorite thing. If I can make someone happy by sharing a story or saying a silly joke or saying a little, I don't know, whatever, or playing a song that you like, that's what makes me happy. That's. And so I never was like, I don't belong there. I just was like, how, how do I do this? How I'm always like, how do I do this? How do I get to this place? And um, a few years ago, I did this um panel, and I met this this amazing young person, and um, she was talking about a Jay Z interview, and apparently, I've never seen this interview, but apparently, this person asked Jay, like, why do you think you got to where you were? Is it because you're a great rapper? Is it because you know you were raised in New York? Is it your flow? Whatever, and. Apparently, he said it's because I just never gave up. I just didn't stop, right? And I think there's something in that. There's so many... There's a million OTs out there, but those other OTs... But no, 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 no. But those other OTs, (laughs) they gave up. They got to... they, They went you know what, mum's right, maybe I should do this engineering thing because I I probably won't get this audition. Or the other OT went, maybe I don't look right in this outfit. The other OT went, you know what, I'm too scared to travel to to the UK. And that's why there's only one OT because you're the one that didn't give up at all those little hurdles. And I think it's important to, it sounds like a very small thing not to give up, but it's so important because everyone has these moments where you're like, Oh, you know what, it's, uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And it's it's when you stop, then the, that, that next Melvin will come and take your place.
1: Yeah. It's so, oh my God, I feel like you've motivated me now. Let's go, go and like, do I'm...
2: something. Let's take <laughs> over the world. T- Let's go gym. <laughs> Let's go run in the
1: gym because we can do it. No, that is, that is so true. There, there's so many times where you feel like... You, you, you have to give up. I remember the first time when I got to England, you were that person for me um, on Extra Factor, watching you and Rochelle.
2: Really? Do you know TV. That's mad that you saw that.
1: Honestly, I, because I, I just got here. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything. Um, the reason why I did move to London is was because I saw so many interracial relationships. I'd never seen... And when I say interracial, I mean the other way around. I mean black woman with white man. I'd never seen that a lot in other countries and we traveled everywhere. And this was the first place in London where I was like, oh, there's OTMRs, there's OTMRs, there's OTMRs. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I, I turned on TV and there were two black people presenting a mu- a big one. It was actually, it was a big show. And that made me feel like, okay, there's space. They, who's this gorgeous girl, Rochelle? She's amazing. And then you hosted the mobiles, and I was like, "Oh, okay."
2: My, do you know what's mad, OT? Is because um, I didn't realize until you know when we started um, Strictly, and mm-hmm. there was one day you just messaged me and Ricky, like you, <laughs> I think you was listening, and it was so yes. ple- it was so pleasing to hear that you were listening to the show like you, and you didn't listen because you were like, oh, Melvin's did the show. You were listening no. because you genuinely enjoyed the show. And you would just mention like random things. I was like, right. OT actually yeah. listens to what we do. And for me, it was a big deal because I see you as such a talent and I see you as oh, you. such a driven, you know, motivated woman who's, and I think, I don't, I think to myself, how do you even have time? to listen to us because this girl is doing this show and she's learning that dance and she's and Oti, I've seen I'm gonna be honest, I was scared of you when I when I met you in <laughs> rehearsal. When you was with Daddy Mac, <laughs> there's one day, there's one day. And I told everyone this story, right? There's one day me and Je- Jeanette were in the same studio and <laughs> you was with Daddy Mac next door, right? And and Jeanette was like, Melvin, Melvin wants to show you what he's learnt so far. And I think we showed you like five minutes of this routine. And Oti was like, Melvin, your back's not straight. And your neck's not like this. And when you're Dutch, you need to put your foot like that. And when you turn, you need to put your arm like that. And I was like, oh my. And we left that room. And Jeanette went to me. You see Melvin? Just be happy that you don't have OT because if she would whip you into shape. <laughs> and I was like, because <laughs> there were certain days with Jeanette, I wanted to cry. I found it so hard. And she was like, Melvin, you couldn't handle OT because she does not play. <laughs> She's not here for the play.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I, and, remember, like, I remember I remember, that. I remember. I remember
2: I put you in frame, and you looked yeah. like you were gonna cry. I said, "Why is this girl shouting at me? Like, this? why is she talking to me like this?" I'm here for the fun. This is the thing I like to enjoy no, life. No. And OT was not messing around. I was like, <laughs> I just thought we we're just gonna be dancing around. OT was. I was thinking, I walked out that room. I was like, I feel sorry for Daddy back. but that boy was a great dancer. He was a great dancer. Oh
1: uh, no! It. it- I think I have an obsession and I think I had to grow up because I, I also I was teaching from a place of fear. So teaching from a place of fear is like everything has to be right. Like you then become strict.
2: Why was that?
1: <laughs> you're sw- Switching because um, the first season I went out early. So in my head, every week you're not guaranteed. Why, why would I make it to the fight? Like what? Who says that? I I had the experience. The only experience that I had was going out of the show early. Um, And so the second season, I was like, I can't, I can't, I cannot go out early. So I was driven from a place of fear. And then... I also firmly believe, I firmly believe anyone can learn how to dance. Anyone. It's just, it's just levels of how you can take it. And it's different levels, it's different strides, it's different techniques, it's different levels. I know you want to say this, but my methods work for the person that I'm with at that time. So when I'm teaching Graham, I couldn't, what I did to you, I could never do that to Graham because he would be like, He's not even listening. He's jumping up and down the windows behind me doing, he's not even listening. Whereas, like with, with Bill, he's like, okay, do, give me the hardest that you can. And I'm like, go, go. And he's like, yes, 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 yes. And he does it. So it's, it's different levels. And my determination is like, a hundred. What i mean, Strictly, you know, you know, like I go from higher mouth to higher <laughs> mouth. Like I go really crazy. But it's, it was leading from a place of fear. But now I lead from a place of love. I teach from a place of love.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
2: OT, I told Ricky and Charlie a story which involves you and Danny Mack, right? Oh gosh. And, and I don't think I've ever told you this story. Right. <laughs> so you remember our first ever dance? The one that's not it's not scored or anything. So the first yes. week, right? And I was dancing to go in loco down in Acapulco.
1: Acapulco. I love that song.
2: And um I had that pink pink <laughs> those pink trousers, the pink shirt, everything. And I had maracas and I had a newspaper. And me and Jeanette was having the time of our life. So I did my dress rehearsal. I was going through it, through my maracas. And I I was so proud of myself. And you know what the crew's like in rehearsals. No one cares. Like the cameramen are on their phones. People are like chatting on the side, sitting down. And I came off set and uh, like the floor manager was like, yeah, great, Melvin. We'll see you later on tonight. And Jeanette looked at me and she goes, high High five. She gave me a high five. She's like, Melvin, dance just like that on the show, right? And then as we was about to walk off set, you and Danny came to rehearse, right? (coughs) And you were dancing to the Five. And this brother was twirling and twisting and doing this move and that move. And and me and me and Jeanette sat and watched you guys dance. And when you finished, there was a pause. Then everyone, the cameraman, the crew, the band, everyone was clapping, and Jeanette looked at me and said, We are never watching OT and Daddy Light ever again. <laughs> <laughs> when I say it, it was the biggest kick in the teeth. Like I was like, Oh my goodness, is this how good everyone's gonna be? Oh wow. Danny Mac was good from day yeah, one.
1: Yes. But Danny Mac worked. You so you've experienced me. So imagine having me for ten hours every day all day going Why you know like he worked so hard and he took he took it he took it he took what I gave him and he was passionate and he wanted to do well that's it he's got this thing of I just want to do well and and he's the nicest guy you know the nicest guy ever but a beast when he's a beast and I love that but, but I'm sorry we did that to you. I'm so, so, so sorry. We
2: did you didn't know you was doing it. You guys were busy dancing away. <laughs> I literally thought the dance floor was going to set on fire. That's how hot you guys were. <laughs> it was, and when I told Rick and Charlie the story, they were crying. Really? They were crying out. Yeah, yeah. Because they could imagine. I can't do it now sitting down, but if I was to do the impression of Danny Mack, my guy, he looked like something out of like a, an R and B dance video. He was going to tap because remember we had that that little hat. Yes, it was,
1: yeah, it was M- Michael Jackson's fine.
2: Yeah, it was incredible. It was it that wasn't my even that wasn't even my favorite routine. You know my favorite routine. No. Lion King. Lion King, the samba. <laughs> Listen. Oh, I love do that. Do you know what? I I will sometimes just go on YouTube and rewatch that. That's really, one of actually really, probably one of my favorite routines of all time. That and one of Aston's I really yeah. loved, but I, yeah, incredible
0: routine.
1: I remember that one. I think I don't. Do you know what it was? I think that was the first African samba that was ever on Striker ever.
2: Really?
0: Because they
1: kept saying Amazon. I'm like, we're not in Amazon. We're in Ghana. Like, we're <laughs> the I was like, we're not in the Amazon. <laughs> we are in Africa. And they were like, no. I was like, well you can say what you say I'm gonna say what I'm gonna yeah. say <laughs> and no, they he's... were like OT, oh, and they're like "Okay." Oh, we're gonna make the whole theme look Amazon I was like well I'm gonna make the choreography very African so yeah. you do you I'll
0: but do me
2: what I loved about it was Danny brought it as well you know Danny brought it he yes. like I can take him to Ghana and he'll fit right in <laughs> My my auntie Olivia will sit him down and he can eat jollof rice and chicken all day long. He'll be chilly because of that Samba. (laughs) We we took him to Africa and back with that Samba. He he, he smashed it, mate.
1: Thank you, Melvin. So one thing that we do always at the end of the podcast when Mm -hmm. we've reflected on everything and reflected on your childhood, um, who do you think you are today?
2: Um, I'm someone who, like is always striving to do more mm-hmm. and I'm just some, my family are number one to me. Do you yeah. mean? So I, I am my family. I'm my friends. And when I say family, I'm, I'm, it's my friends as well. Cause I just wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be anything without them. I would have given up a long time ago without them. So I am my family.
1: And what's the end goal? Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years?
2: I think I'm really lucky. So more of the same, like, yeah, I'm on the biggest radio station in the country. Do you mean doing an amazing show with amazing friends who I trust? And I'm lucky enough that people want to watch me on TV and people want to tune into the radio and people want to come to my DJ gigs. I always say more of the same. I'm really happy. Do you mean? I think in terms of future, I would love a family. Like, I want what you've got. You've got a partner who you can come home to and chillax with in front of the TV and tell jokes to them. Bus jokes and since my sister just had a little baby, my um, my niece is one now, and I have oh. a, a sister in America. Uh, sorry, another young, older niece in America, and I like the idea of you know having kids to grow up with my you know my younger like nieces and nephews. Um, so yeah, I think my my goals are family now, mm. which I never really cared about before because I was so focused Great. on career. Yeah, I was I was like um when I'm ready, i you know I'll settle down. And I was, you know, I was enjoying life. Yes. Um, oh, yes, you were. <laughs> I was enjoying life. But now <laughs> I think, and, and again, going back to the pandemic, when you're in your house by yourself and you can't see no one, you think to yourself, it would be really nice to be in a yeah. relationship right now. Do you yeah. know what I mean it would be really nice to, to have this person to talk to and to watch this film with? It, you know, you do think about it when you're alone. So, yeah, family is probably my goal.
1: And if you reflect back, are there
2: any regrets? Yep, I would love to read more. I, I should even read more now, but I wish I read more as a kid because um, knowledge really is power. Like, and I don't think I realised that. Um, I wish I knew more about property when I was younger. I wish that some is something that they taught in schools, as like they taught yeah. maths and English. I, thought, I, will, I really think that investment and property and what council tax is and what stamp duty is is that's important shit that helps you in life and I remember I had to ask my broker all of that because mm-hmm. and ask my mum and ask my best friend who had properties at the time because I didn't know what I was doing yeah. um, so I wish I knew about property more and I was going to say I wish I didn't buy cars when I first got money but I, I don't regret that because I love cars <laughs>
1: You like that? You see me rolling. Yeah,
2: you know, <laughs> you know me. I love my cars, so yeah, I don't regret that. Yeah. But yeah, I wish I knew more about property at a younger age, and I wish I read more, and I wish I still did read more now. And who
1: who is your inspiration today? Your role model?
2: Everybody, everyone inspires me. What do you mean I? I'm inspired by a random person on the train. I'm inspired by the people on TV. I'm inspired by people on films. Um, I'm inspired by my mum and how hard she works and how we were flipping nightmares as kids but she smashed it as a mum. I'm inspired by my dad who will come here and clean my house top to bottom and do all my ironing and wash my windows and bust joke and he makes everybody laugh. He literally makes anyone laugh Um, and he's got you know really funny stories and but yeah, my sister, I love, and my, my friend, everyone inspired, you inspire me.
1: Yeah, I can't believe you said that you were naughty kids.
2: I wasn't bad, like, burning shit down, but I was, I was, a ha- me and my sister used to argue all the time. Like, oh, I'm, we oh. were a handful, we were a handful, and I was that kid that was obsessed with computer games. I, I would, my mum would be like, go to sleep, and I'd get my little game gear. <laughs> Under the bed. And, underneath the bed, and I would play till like, two in the morning. I was that kid. I wasn't like a nightmare, but my mum had it. She wasn't we didn't make it easy for her.
1: Wow. Well bless your mom and bless you. And thank you so much, Melvin, for having a
2: chat with me. Thanks OT
1: OT. I learned so much.